course, I try. I dress with the. Uh, and she's in M. Rosita is wearing M. Ah, you. That's it. You're dressing for your granddaughter's brilliant design. Rosita is wearing an archive Missoni print recolored. It's a patchwork with this daisy print. You know, Margarita means daisy. Mm. So that's my act, only self-centered accent in the collection. Welcome, everybody. I am Susie Menkes, editor of Vogue International at Condé Nast, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. I wanted to start this podcast by thanking you all for tuning in each week. What a joy it has been connecting with you in this new way. In this final episode of my first season of Creative Conversations, I am pleased to be joined by Rosita Missoni and her granddaughter, Margarita Missoni Amos. The Missoni clan reflects the essence of Italy. Like a tree of fashion life, the company roots go back almost 70 years to when Rosita and Ty Missoni met, married, and made knitwear both joyous and gorgeous. In true Italian style, the baton has been passed from one generation to the next, with matriarch Rosita on the edge of 90, her daughter Angela, creative director for over two decades, and granddaughter Margarita moving forward, who focuses on the eco-friendly and socially responsible elements that are as good a fit with M. Missoni as that famous zigzag knitwear. I asked Rosita and Margarita to tell me their early memories from Rosita's mushroom gathering to her children's achievements, from the joy of family life to the sadness of her husband Octavia Missoni passing in the same year as their son Vittorio. But also at that same time, Margarita's gift to Rosita of a great grandchild. The indomitable strength of the family has encouraged the Missonis to survive and prosper with all the joyful colour and texture knitted in and freshly foraged mushrooms to stir into the fashion stew. So, Rosita, I, I want to start talking to you because you are the matriarch of the Missoni family. So you're here with your granddaughter, Margarita, at your side, and uh, your daughter, Angela, of course, who's not here now, but has been the creative director since 1997. So here for me, we have the Italian dream. We have three generations working harmoniously together, never rowing, always perfect. And that doesn't even include the other family members involved. Is it really a dream to pass the baton, yet still work together? Or is it more difficult than it sounds? No, I don't think so. In a certain way, it happens spontaneously. Angela tried to do different uh, things when she was a young mother. When the moment uh, she felt she was ready, when I, she realized I was tired, I myself realized I was tired. 
I tended to live more at home in Sumirago, have friends here on Sundays, uh, so travel less, and uh, I was ready to, to, to absorb. But uh, I, antennas, I do, could you call them antennas also? How do you call you them? You know, yeah, like antennas. Mm. To catch things. <laughs> so I, my life did not correspond. And I realized, I decided I wanted to retire. So Angela said, Mom, let me do, and she tried on four collections of her own, which I found interesting, and she was quite successful. And uh, I was dressed with Angela's clothes, <laughs> which rather were than, mainly solid. Rather than missing. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh my God, uh, maybe it's time that uh, I, I give up. But when I tried to play the grandma, taking the children to the school for not every day, but for three days a week, I, and it was nice, I, I realized that. But uh, then I found that my life was quite uh, empty without uh, deadlines and things like that. I was too used to have deadlines. And so to get up in the morning, <laughs> even if I have a big house, a big garden, an orchard, and so on. Several so, houses. And several ho homes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I said, but there is the, we had already a home line but it was mainly my husband giving patents to my original family, my, my, my family, TJ Gesto. And I was drawing, uh, designing uh, rugs for them, giving them patents for upholstery, which were quite successful. But I didn't think they were so uh, strongly... Um, Yes, you wanted to bring your style and make them seem that they were really Missoni, not just attractive things, but something that really belonged to you in the company. Exactly. And also not exactly. just a license, maybe something just, that had exactly. its own creativity. Exactly. Um, I just want to get the, the um, timing right here. We're talking here, aren't we, about the end of the millennium. It was... 97, when yes. I decided to take care of the home. Uh, so my, my, I spoke to my children and they said, well, if you... Talk to your to your brothers if they want to have you because they know because that uh, because her I am quite when I believe family. in something uh, I, mean, I, I I I fight for it I mean no, because her family owned the si, company si. that produced Missoni home but Margarita where were you at this point I mean you grew up as fashion royalty didn't you you live with your family and your grandparents and other members of the family in Sumirago with the factory there and it's a very beautiful place of course in the foothills of the Italian Alps and it's always been a wonderful treat for me to go there and see you but what are your Margarita what are your earliest memories did you play in the factory with your mother and your grandmother were you really brought up in the Missoni world I was really brought up in the Missoni world yes absolutely and the fact that we are in the countryside made that even more um, a stronger influence let's say in my upbringing because as you're saying we live in a small town in a kind of Missoni town where most women work in our company 
and uh, it's a it's province you know it's a very very it's kind of towns and woods around the towns and woods in between a town and the next one so it was quite bucolic it was about you know picking strawberries and flowers and then going to the atelier and uh, it was blending you know everything was quite blended family and work and uh, woods and fashion and um it it did i remember exactly the moment when it hit me that fashion and my my family my my grandma's and my mom's jobs were something special you know like i i remember i was i was in the car driving through my grandma's gate and i thought they're famous you know like people know them it's it's a job that like people look up to you know i, I never noticed that i never knew until then that fashion was something that um it was a dream in most people's um you know not something approachable but something far away for other people for me it was very very approachable how old were you at this point um margarita i was a uh, in primary school so something in between you know seven and eight and nine and and also because my mother was working long hours and my grandmother was obviously also working so she couldn't be staying with us the afternoons um we would go there after school to spend time with them whilst we played with the models with the pieces of fabric so we never had any formal training in fashion me or my mom or but we sat there through all these uh, fittings, all these, uh, you know, design meetings, stylists, uh, you know, color cards and et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it did work like in the old days used to work when the, 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 the kids of the shoemaker were just living there and learning the job uh, as they lived. So, Rosita, looking back, right back to the beginning in the 1950s with your, your husband, Ty, uh, Octavia, his, his full name, um, did you ever imagine then, as when you started off, that you might have a whole family, that you would be uh, grandsons, granddaughters, everyone there together? It's, it's, it's a very Italian thing, isn't it? I don't know, but I, I know that when, when Angela was born and she was my third child, and we were sure it would have been, it was, she was bigger than the other ones, and every, the, the doctor said, listen, my doctor said, listen, Rosita, if it's not a boy, it's a girl. <laughs> the third one. And she was bigger than her brothers. Uh, she was born like she was six months old. I mean, just a, a, a beautiful baby. And, and the, the, the godmother who was helping me screamed, it's a... È una bambina! <laughs> oh, I could have jumped down from the bed, you know. And I was so happy. It was, um, I mean, uh, really the biggest uh, so joy you... I, I had. Fin- so fin- then she had faith that we and, might, we might and go I on had generation the... after generation when and she I... had a girl. And what about you, um, Margarita? Um, it's, you've now got children of your own. You've got two boys. And do you feel that life is being repeated in their family experience? Do they come and 
Um, have they started to come and look at things in the factory? They've watched you making things. Are they part of the? Are they part of the family? Uh, they're definitely part of the family, and they do come here every now and then. Definitely not as much as I used to, but also I think you know we always try to avoid the mistakes let's say we think our parents did with us and then we do the opposite and we do the opposite mistakes right so although <laughs> i had very deep roots which was it's a great feeling and i i think i would have never gotten along in life if i didn't and i was able to live through many different crazy experiences and always ending up um, on my feet But I always envied kids who were going to move to, let's say, Australia, you know, and start a life there, which is not something I would have never done. I, I would have never done it because I always knew that in my head, in the back of my head, I always knew when I'll have kids, I'll go back to Sumirago, whether it was... Even if I didn't know I would be coming in here to work, but Sumirago was a base where I would have brought up my kids. And so in a way, I would, like to, I would like for them to be more free to do with their life what they want. So I'm keeping it a little less uh, tight to this place. Also, my, hus <laughs> my husband um, wants to, you know, he feels, and I do understand him, that it should be a balance between his ha family and my family and, you know, creating our own traditions. And um, so, you know, that's marriage and navigating it. Uh, and Rosita, can it really be more than 70 years ago when you met your husband Ty at the Olympics in London? I, I looked it up, it was 1948. And um, in 1953, you, um, you were married and you... Um, we decided to set up this husband and wife knitwear business. Ty has now sadly passed away, but um, you had a fashion empire here. You've got Missoni women's wear, you've got men's wear, children's wear, beach wear, fragrance, and your own homeware that you were talking about. Do you sometimes pinch yourself and think, I am the matriarch of this family dynasty, which I began by knitting little stripes and zigzags on a Rachel knitting machine all those years ago? But it has it has been a, in a certain way a dream. Of course, I had also many sorrows, and the year that I passed away, before that we had a big sorrow to to lose Vittorio in a in an air crash. But after that, in May, Ty died. Twenty thirteen was a terrible terrible year for me. But. Let's say that my, the fact that I could work and I had my family around me and... And you became a great grandmother in 1913. Exactly, and I became a great grandmother, Margarita. In 2013. <laughs> in 2013. Yes, Margarita gave me the first baby and that was again a joy, a big joy because... There are terrible things that happen in, in families, but also you must have had a lot of um, joy from your children watching them growing up. I'd like to ask um, Margarita um, herself, um, because when you started working, introducing um, M. Missoni as a diffusion line, 
you became a very important part of the company. You bought, bought the name back from the licensees and now it's definitely underneath your wings. Will you tell us about M. Missoni and, and tell us what you're trying to put forward? Is it, is it the same as Missoni but for younger people? So M. Missoni had been existing as a license for many years, over 20 years. Uh, and and uh, we bought it back almost at the same time when um, we received external fundings for the first time as a company, Missoni, from FSI. Um, and I was outside of the family business. I had left a few years before and I was venturing on other design projects of my own, collaborating with different companies from luggage to beachwear to children's furniture of all sorts. And I always said I would only go back within Missoni if uh, someone that wasn't my family would ask me. Who, who and... wasn't your family? Yes. <laughs> yes, because you okay. see, that makes, gives you a different authority. I was a bit, I left the company because I felt, it felt a lot, oftentimes, as if they were doing me a favor, letting me work there. You know, I'm talking within a family. Of course, there's advantages, but it's also disadvantages. I had this, you know, as you know, um, my first uh, role was of ambassador, let's say, right? Which... Um, it happened and then it was very helpful for us because it helped show the world what my mom, the changes that my mother was was making in the design and in the collections. And it was, you know, it coincided with the rise of the eat girl, right? So I was having fun until a point, um, but it looked as if I was just out there having parties and doing photo shoots. Right, it didn't give me a, a lot of credibility, and for a lot of other family members, I was the lucky one who got the chance to do that to do nothing and get get paid for it. Not much, but get a name that allowed me then to get different collaborations when I left the company, right? And and work for let's say Pottery Barn Kids or um, uh, you know different companies. So I decided to leave for that reason when I had my second baby. And so I always said, I'll, I'll, do, I'll go back if someone external from the family asks me whether it's a CEO, whether it's someone who invests in the company. And also, it was important for me to know that we had some funds to invest in, because although Missoni has been a very healthy company always, uh, we never had debts or... but but we always had a very little margins, you know, there was not a lot to invest in growth. And, um, and that's what happened. So they asked me to come back and they asked me to take over Emmy Sony, which was now ours. And they asked me to give it its own identity because now that it was ours, we wanted to stop stealing market from Missoni. So that was a bit of a challenge because how do you give an identity to something that's born as a derivation. Um, and I thought about it. I went back to the archive. I, I went and, and researched more than clothes. I researched memorabilia and articles and, you know, press clips. And there it hit me um, how much we had lost through the years of, not lost, but the Missoni 
the Missouni aesthetic reign was much broader at the beginning than what took off as iconic in the 60s and 70s, talking about the thousand color zigzags and space tides. That was just a moment. But before that, there had been florals and figurative prints. And also, and more importantly, there was a concept that we kind of lost in favor of high fashion, which was creating a, a, a practical, comfortable and effortless, but chic outfit that would take you from, from morning to evening without the need to change. And that's the reason why the, cho the choice of knitwear, because knitwear gave you that, you know, uh, comfort and chicness at the same time. I, I want to interrupt you a moment here because you're, you're too modest um, to say what you achieved there. And it's a real bravo because you, if I understood correctly, you, you sort of repurposed, is that the right word? 26,000 metres of Missoni fabric and I don't know, 1,200 kilos of stock yarn, which were all in the factory. And you thought yeah. that you could bring them back in. Did I get it right? Yeah, so my idea when I realised all that, I'm like, this should be about all the leftovers from Missoni's history, whether it's the stocks of yarns and fabrics that I know existed, whether it's ideas and concepts that we just lost on the way. So the prints that never became iconic and this idea of the origin of streetwear, not as a trend, but as a comfortable, effortless outfit that takes you through the day. Um, Rosita, I'd like to ask you, you and... Thai, I would say, lived through a, a typical fashion high-rise and then a low-rise. In the 70s, you were so amazing. You owned the fashion territory across the world. The knitwear you designed and made together, it marked fashion history, and it always will. It will never be forgotten. But as we both know, it was not the same in those loud, vulgar 1980s. Somehow, Missoni seemed not to be quite on a level there. Did you feel it was a struggle for you and to get back on a level? And then ultimately, of course, Angela took over in the 1990s. Did you feel it yourselves, you and Ty? Um, you know, I felt because at, at that point, why I, what I told you, I was tired to fight against uh, agents and all that kind of people that ask you, they always know after of course. what you should have done. <laughs> they never give you a good okay. advice before. So, since if they and it's still like that, it hasn't changed. I should have always continued, and I I had lost the strength to believe in my ideas and fight for them. I was uh, listening to one and the other, and, and that's why I at, at the end I was very happy to to give up. And and uh, Angela, she had uh, everything. She was curious. She was. Uh, Talented. Talented, see short, yes. But what she did of, let's say, giving up or passing on, it's quite striking. I mean, it doesn't happen, you know. People are usually forced off out of their chair or thrown in fashion, especially, you know, because I think it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not like other jobs where you look forward to retiring, because in a way, if you retire saying, I'm not 
part of fashion anymore. You know what I mean? I'm getting old. I don't have that curiosity. It's, that's for me. It's quite striking. You must tell us a bit about your eco-friendly and, and state-of-the-art work with um, Save the Duck. You, um, if I got it right, it's a sort of you made a kind of genderless um, item, a windbreaker, but using the uh, Missoni archive prints from the 1980s. And you won an award for all that, I think, didn't you? An innovative award from the uh, Maison de Mode. So um, tell, us, tell us about it. Tell us how you turned something that is um, worthy of Save the Dark into something that's also worthy of Missoni. So, um, as I was saying, sustainability, social responsibility are all concepts that nowadays are ha- have to be at the core of your business when you start a new business. Um, Save the Dark is um, a, a clothing company that creates the... Um, duvet coats without using dark feathers but using eco um, ecological materials they fill the coats with ecological materials you know I, I i love the company i love their whole image and the brand and they offered a colla- to work on a collaboration i thought it would be perfect um my idea even with m is to have quite a few garments that are not defined by gender so they go from XS to XL but not even as a it's not it's not a concept it's simply the way we dress you know there are garments in the clo- in the closets that like we all wear whether it's a cardigan whether it's a windbreaker and uh, the whole Missoni sport heritage um, I found quite relevant uh, for that moment and still now and it's something that we kind of hid throughout the years, because we then didn't like it anymore. And I decided to revamp it and bring it back in Emmy Sony. And the windbreaker was done exactly how it was with the same shape and print. But on top of it, we drew with a pen the M of Emmy Sony every now and then in the print. Mm. So everything that we take from the archive, it's always like twisted upside down or like layered with other things and writings and it's never straight out of the archive and 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 or used for other purposes than it was originally meant for for example you know i i i dislocate some bits of my production in 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 areas of the world um where where uh jobs are needed let's say to get to offer jobs to skill for artisans in areas where there isn't so much, um, you know, of job offering. For example, sneakers uh, made in Ethiopia by this company that was funded there called Sawa, which decided to fund to be to 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 be there to offer to give higher salaries uh, than the averages in Ethiopia. Or we have um, alpaca sweaters made in Peru uh, in sustainable companies. Um, Rosita, you must be very impressed by. Um, this and I would think you would be also fascinated by it but do you sometimes feel just occasionally that you have to bite your tongue as we say in the English language that of things that your children or grandchildren are doing you have to keep quiet rather than making a comment does that ever happen no not really no not really because I think they are they are positive anyway they have good uh, uh, and uh, of course, I try. I dress with. Uh, and she's in M. Rosita is wearing M. <laughs> ah, you 
That's it. You're dressing for your granddaughter's brilliant design. Rosita is wearing an archive Missoni print recolored, mixed. It's a patchwork with this daisy print. You know, Margarita means daisy. So that's my act only accent, egocentric, like self-centered accent in the collection. And I was looking yesterday at the sales reports of the first few weeks, uh, the first few shops open. And the daisy... It's our bestseller in M rather than the zigzag, which is, <laughs> I'm very proud of. Margarita, I would say that you have a, a sense of fun. You know, that show you did in, I think it must have been in 2019, last year. Um, you took me on a tram ride through Milan with a cast of models who were people from the street. And they were all in different shapes and sizes, all wearing M. Missoni. It was so much fun. And it showed how your clothes can be worn by everybody. Um, do you expect to show again in September, given the virus and all the problems? And um, what's your future now, immediately? So um, we're not going to show in September. Um, but we're thinking of when, when is it the best time for us to show? We're really rethinking everything. Is it at the time of men's? Is it, you know, during the COVID, we had these long talks with many other designers uh, where we rediscussed the future of fashion, the schedules, the, the um, selling periods, uh, the time, I mean, the sales times, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm, 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 I'm thinking in between November and January, if apparently there might be a cluster of designers starting to show in Milan end of October, beginning of November. If that is the case and uh, buyers will come, then that would be a good time for me to show. I would and we are definitely starting to show um, the collection that we're about to deliver, not the one that we're about to sell to buyers. We will sell in old style, Uh, trunk shows, let's say, you know, salon mm. shows and have a much more direct dialogue uh, with the buyers and probably with some of the press. So in a way, you're going to do the opposite of what um, has been done just this very week in Milano with um, people showing digitally. And more or less everything was digital, but you're saying the opposite. You're saying rather than doing... a digital or just digital, you want to have small shows, small, almost going back to a period when things were not on such a huge I scale. I think it's going to be a combination, you know, I, I, you will, what we, when we were discussing with other designers, the one thing that came out from everyone is that fashion shows or events like my tram, you know, we do them for the final customers. Like that's everyone's goal with those moments. Mm -hmm. So we discuss when is the right moment? Is it just about having something one day or maybe creating something that can stay open for a week and turn into more of a Salone del Mobile where the actual audience can visit eventually post COVID? Um, so I think it will be a balance, but I think that for they definitely those shows do not respond to the needs of uh, buyers who want uh, don't want to be among celebrities. They want a quieter moment. They want to touch the, the, the fabrics and it's understandable.
Peter, I'd love to ask you what you've been doing in this recent lockdown. Well, it's for both of you and it's for your whole family as so many of you live close together. And so has it been the sort of Italian dream that we other Europeans think of, that there are lots of family dinners, that you're making dishes from your Missoni cookbook? And have you taught all your children, including the male children, to cook brilliantly? I mean, this is a place where, when I came back, I was in, in Switzerland when uh, everything happened, this pandemic and so. And um, I was there for two weeks. And then when they started talking about uh, closing the um, uh, frontier, I decided I came home. And, and then and, and I came home and here, Angela lives practically in the last piece of Sumirago, even if it's called Brunello. Between our two homes, we had uh, we can, could walk up and down, even if there are five or two, three kilometers uh, of, of road, because it, it, it's the same uh, village in a certain way. And this was quite... Then I had my great-grandchildren, Teresa, who has a baby, uh, Zeno, that it's it's a beauty, it's it's cute, it's intelligent, it speaks, I mean, it's uh, uh, fantastic. And she lived uh, next to Angela, and so uh, lunch generally was my home. <laughs> they used to have lunch, and he was ordering his meal to my uh, to my maid. Well, I we were not part of their quarantine because we yeah. live in Varese town, which yeah. is ten minutes away, mm-hmm. and so we we did the quarantine all by ourselves. You mean literally you didn't meet up for two months? Yes, we did. We didn't. Yes, because... Mm. We didn't meet up. Uh, I mean, I I also was in the mountains when it happened because it happened during the the winter break of our kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stayed up there for a whole month, Mm -hmm. the same as Rosita. Mm -hmm. And then um, when they're about to close the borders, we came back down and... Yeah, we stayed home. We didn't see anyone. Um, But I was thinking about you, um, Margarita. I was thinking about coming to your wedding. I think it was 2012. Watched you getting married in all this beautiful Italian scenery around you. And now, of course, you've got your two sons, Otto and Augusto. Do you have aspirations for them to join Missoni now? And of course, there are all your other brothers and sisters. Is there going to be a fourth generation fashion family dynasty? Who's going to answer this? No, no, I don't have. And I, as I was telling you before, I would like them to really feel free, but not because I felt obliged. It's because the influence was so strong that I literally had no choice within myself, you know, and... Um, it's a nice thing, but for them, I would like them to feel f- to have that freedom which I never really had within themselves to choose a job out of the blue. Very brilliant uh, uh, children, ch- children, Margherita. The two guys are uh, Otto is fantastic. <laughs> I am terrorized when I am with them because. Uh, 
they they fight. If you hear them screaming, I my heart comes to up to here, and I so I am always terrorized that they can uh, also because they they keep screaming. They 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 know. <laughs> There's no doubt that you embrace, and I'm sure now physically as well, all your family and all the new members. But I'd love to know one thing. Do you believe that through the 21st century that your fashion dynasty will carry on, your family, the will it carry on, or do you think it'll be taken over by robots working on your rainbow of knits? <laughs> no. No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased and very, uh, and I wondered about the philosophy of my husband, uh, who at a certain point was saying, either we, we want to work less, or I don't want to gain more, because then I have problem to sp how to spend it. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, very singular philosophy. But uh, uh, creativity will never be taken over. By yes, robots. yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I doubt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's very good news coming from two very important people in the fashion world. No robots, but lots of family together. On another note, I wanted to tell something to Susie. Um, I forgot about it. Mm. Um, do you remember you introduced my mother to a company called Away to Mars? Yes, I did. Indeed. Uh, of course. For Emmysonium, I'm doing a project with them. I'm so pleased yes. to hear that. Have you been to their amazing place in, in, inside a church oh. where they work? No, I haven't. They came here. They came to the archive. We gave them some logos. Um, and we're in the process of having them develop. Um, we should be having the products to sell yeah. to buyers. Yes, November. That's fantastic. Congratulations on all you've achieved and it's been such fun talking to you and have a great vacation. I believe you're going off immediately. Rosita I'm leaving is... today for three weeks in Sardinia, then I will go to Concierge for my mushroom picking, which is my second passion. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with the mushrooms and have a wonderful summer. Thank, thank you, you, Susie. Thank you. Big, big hug. Ciao, bye, Susie. Bye, Susie. What a fascinating story of a family life in fashion. Rosita and Margarita, you are both archetypal Italian fashionistas and also a tribute to Missoni's lasting elegance and style. I loved hearing of Rosita in her early days of knitting an empire with her husband Ottavio when they founded their company in 1953. And now the same passion has passed on to daughter Angela and now reinterpreted by Margarita's ecological explorations. Let's just call it their Italian dream. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I do hope you enjoyed these 13 conversations as much as I did and look forward to connecting with you again for season two in September when we have already lined up some special guests. I'm enjoying reading all your comments and hearing your thoughts each week. Please do keep sharing them. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, 
it would be wonderful if you could leave us a review by tapping on reviews and then on the stars. It would be so valuable and it really helps for other people to find us and join in our creative conversation for some inspired holiday listening. As you know, we started this podcast in lockdown and every week I used to thank all the medical workers and frontline teams across the world. As we go into vacation time, I would like to continue the applause. We still can't thank you enough for all your incredible work. The world could not have got through these last four months without your bravery, dedication and strength. On behalf of Condé Nast, I would like to wish you all and everyone at Missoni a safe, enjoyable and sunny summer. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace and edited by Tim Thornton. If you would like to find my articles, visit the fashion channel of vogue.co.uk and at Susie Menkes Vogue on Instagram. Music